But I think I would say to her, find one thing. And it doesn't have to be the traditional pastor's wife thing. Maybe you'd love to stand at the door and say hi to people. And that's all you really want to do. It doesn't mean you have to lead a group or you know, disciple a huge group of people. Um, but find one thing, find one area, because that's what you would ask of someone else. And I don't think that just because you are the planter's wife, it means you have to do 10 times what everybody else does. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. My name is Jason Phillips. I am your Columbus CPC. I am joined by our SEM, Chad. Chad, welcome. Jason. Nice to see you. It really is nice to see you. I haven't seen you enough the last few days. That's <laughs> we just sure. had a two-day assessment retreat, and we're still recovering mentally and physically. It was physically. only two days. It felt like <laughs> an eternity. So. Let me tell you, this week's been a long month, Jason. Yeah, so. literally. <laughs> it's, it's been a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have a special guest special today. Special guest. Very so, special. So this person, um, this person always talks about how I never mentioned that she's my sister, and so we have my sister on, and I just want to say my sister, that I'm really proud who's my sister is here with us. <laughs> Wait, is she your sister? My sister, Angie Folks, with us. Welcome, Angie, Angie. welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much. In fact, I'm honored to be here and to be your sister. I joke, I joke that she said it before. She's like, she won't, this is the way Angie introduces me to LifePoint people. He won't tell you this, but he's my brother. <laughs> and so I thought about making this T-shirt that says, I'm Angie's brother for the next please, time I speak at LifePoint. But then I thought, for all the people who don't know who Angie <laughs> is, which is probably a small group of people. Mm, not anymore, I don't okay. think. I think there's a lot yeah. of people that have no but, clue. Then that's I feel okay. like it's funny they would be like, I'm missing the inside joke here. In so. the yeah. next steps room, we literally have a staff sheet with people's faces on them because we'll be like, do you know who Troy is? And they'll be like, who? Mm. And then you show, them, know. you show them yeah. a picture. Like, have you seen this man? Or, or <laughs> they'll they'll think that they'll confuse Troy, Adam, and Shane because oh, yeah. they're all bald men. So yeah. yeah, I think I think there's a story where that Troy tells about a guy who walked up to him and said, "Hey, Shane," and then he, and then his <laughs> eyes got real big, and he was like. Oh no, that was Adam. And it was totally Troy. <laughs> <laughs> so. We know when we first started, there was Dean who had hair, but Troy who didn't, Shane who didn't, and David Tillman who yeah, didn't. Yeah, that's right. And so when we had no building, met in our home on <laughs> Sunday nights with neighbors' lawn chairs, yeah. we looked a little bit, it was a little bit iffy. Yeah. I think people wondered about us a yeah. little bit. Uh, what Dean, kind of cult were we? Yeah, Dean should have gone for that. Just been <laughs> one of the one of the four shaved it off. So, yeah. well, I feel like we should start off by: Is there anything about Chad and his childhood and things? Mm. Is there any story you can share with us that's really fun to like yes. kick us off? There today? are. Yes, plenty. there are. There Which are one? plenty. Which one? Which yeah. one are you going to choose? Which one would be the most entertaining for everyone to hear? <laughs> um, I mean, one of my very favorites is. Chad, the foam relator. Yes. Yeah. Well, how do you know? Uh, just because it's you tell it. Okay. So Chad was famous at our family growing up for being able to memorize anything that he heard. Definitely, as mom would say, often an auditory learner. And it was not her favorite movies. Like no, it was, it was always Jim, like the Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. You drove her crazy. Yeah, like yeah. Ace Ventura and yeah. things. And, yeah. yeah, for sure. So you would repeat lines from movies over and over again. And so on our family trips, 
I would be singing Sandy Patty songs with my Walkman <laughs> earphones and my cassette. Who is that? Player. Sometimes I was doing that too. Yeah. For those of you born post-1990, <laughs> you do know what it is, right? A, a Walkman? Walkman? I know what a Walkman is. I don't know who Sandy Patty is. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We'll keep going. Yeah, we'll we should going. do a contemporary Christian music from the 80s and 90s yes. podcast. Oh, I would enjoy that very I would, much. too. Yeah. That would be fantastic, yeah. actually. Yeah. So it had my little cassette tape in it, yeah. and then I plugged in my earphones yeah, that were I like had one. as big over. Okay, I thought you said you didn't know what a Walkman was. Oh, I knew was. what a Walkman is. I didn't know Sandy Patty. <clears throat> okay, well, Sandy Patty was my favorite singer, okay. contemporary Christian singer. Okay. Um, so I would be doing that. And then Chad would be in the back. Our, our other brother would say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he had too much extrovertedness around him. He right. just crawled into his cave right. and didn't come out. But Chad would be in the back quoting commercials. Like there was a shampoo commercial, I believe at the time that the lady would get on there and she would say, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> so Chad would be back there quoting things like that. But my favorite was when he made up his own commercial. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the man that used to do them that has the English Robin accent? Robin Leach. Robin Leach, yes. Lifestyles of the Rich, rich and famous. famous. Yes. So Chad would get in the back <laughs> with his best Robin Leach um, accent. Yeah. And he would do commercials for this. You know when you go to the cleaners and they put a little piece of foam around the top of the hanger to keep the clothes from slipping. Chad had pulled the piece of foam off and was selling that piece of foam to who knows who on the interstate <laughs> as the foamulator <laughs> for only $9.99. And if you order today, yeah. you can get your free set of, it was like wind chimes or wooden spoons right. or something like that. So anyway, that was one of my favorite ones was Chad in the back, just going to town selling the foamulator. Yeah. With with such vigor, I was really good at self entertainment. Yeah, so really <laughs> I could entertain myself. Actually, with evidently excellent. a piece of foam. So, which now you know today was a gift to your parents. Yeah, yes, self oh entertainers are big deals. So. Yes, very big deals. Oh, yeah. Well, good. thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, you're Appreciate welcome. That. We'll leave Anytime. the other ones for another time. Anytime. Yeah. 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 We'll have to have her back on and just do Chad's stories. <laughs> I'm sure that would be a very well listened Seems like to podcast. We just podcast. need to have her back for lots of different things. Yeah, she's a wealth times. of knowledge. Yeah, she yeah. Her planter wife at this point. I oh feel heavens! Like. Yeah, because yeah, mm. how long ago was LifePoint planted? 17, Seventeen years. Mm-hmm. Which was that? Two thousand four. Yes. Which is the same year I moved here too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's also the same year our youngest daughter Sylvia was born. Mm. So that's how I always know real quickly how old how old life point is because it's the same because you made multiple transitions at once we did yes that's not how it always happens hey let's relocate to a new place have a kid plant a church yes big deal yes big deal yes well why don't you tell just a little bit about you and a little bit about your kind of church planting journey then okay so i grew up in a christian home and came to know christ when i was six and a half and when i was in high school i really did sense that god was you know leading me to a life of full-time Christian ministry of some kind. I wasn't sure what. So I went on to college, got a teaching degree, and then really wasn't sure what to do at that point. So I went on to seminary for a couple of years, and that's where Dean and I met. And really, when we dated, we talked about how I was sensing God possibly calling me to do overseas missions or ministry. And Dean really felt strongly already that God was calling him to plant churches and to send people. So it was kind of a turning point in our relationship, I think, because I was worried I was falling in love with him and I really wanted to be with him, but I didn't want to be disobedient to God. So I remember having this conversation where he just looked at me and said, well, what if we 
both before God just agree. If he asks us to stay, we'll stay. And if he asks us to go, we'll go. And I said, okay, I can, I can have peace about that. So that's what we agreed at the time. And um, I've never looked back on that. Never felt like we've missed anything or not been where we were supposed to be. And we did college ministry for quite some time and had some great experiences at um, a couple of different places. And then as we moved into a different season of life, Dean worked with the uh, convention here in Ohio. And while we were here, we ended up talking to some friends of ours that we had known back in Memphis, and they were going to plant a church and invited us to come with them. So we actually went down there first and helped plant a church in the Memphis area. We're there for a few years and just kind of kept sensing this pull back to Ohio, which is where Dean is from. He's from Southern Ohio. I am not. I'm originally from Louisiana. So I thought Ohio was Yankee territory. <laughs> I told everybody I was marrying a Yankee and he's from Southern Ohio at that. Yeah. So I was wrong. Um, yeah. But anyway, we came back up here at the invitation of a local church here and the association. And because they partnered together, we were able to bring a team. So we brought three other couples with us, which there's neat stories behind each of that. But I think it made all the difference in the world. We did come by ourselves. We came with other people that were committed, obviously, to Jesus and then to planting a church in an area that they really saw a need to reach. So that's what we did yeah. 17 years ago. So you, you kind of talked about the planting couple and how it's important to have um, kind of a, a call on both of your lives. But why do you think that is so important? Because we, I, I talked to a potential planter the other day, for instance, and he his wife wants to stay in one state. He wants to go seven states away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how, how do I navigate that? You know, am, am I the spiritual authority of the home? Do I just say we're going? And, mm-hmm. and so what, I mean, what would you say to something like that? Or how would you speak to that about the husband and wife being on the same page when it comes yeah. to church planning? So not only can I speak to that maybe in general, but I feel like we had a specific instance in our marriage as well. So in general, Um, I think it's important that both of the couple are in major agreement because Mm -hmm. no matter where you go, you know, there are going to be challenges and there are going to be hard things. And if there's anything you can look back on and blame each other or think we didn't wait long enough to see what God was really saying, or you have any doubts, it's, it really adds to the stress and the Mm -hmm. weight of the situation. I think if you can look back and say, you know what, we as best we knew, we were following God, we were moving forward together. I think it makes moving through difficult things that much um, more, I can't find my word. Yeah. Much, not, I don't want to say much easier. Less complicated, it's not always easy. For sure. Yes, less complicated. Thank and you. And that's why I told him, I said, man, church planning is complicated uh, and has its challenges. You don't want to add that to the mix when things get difficult on the field. And I said, I think if you took your wife seven states away when she didn't want to, you wouldn't be any kind of spiritual leader who's in disobedience to God if you don't go. I'd say you'd be in disobedience because your wife's not on board if you do go. Yeah. You know? yeah. So just the importance of being on the same page. And when we were in that situation was when we were approached by our friends in Memphis to plant the church with them there. It was kind of an odd situation because Dean was the one from Ohio. He felt immediately strongly we were to go with them and plant, and I didn't. I guess I had grown up in the South. I had seen the prevalence of churches down there. And then I had lived in the Midwest and seen much less of a prevalence of the existence of churches. 
So I was feeling a tug to kind of stay here. And I felt really torn and I felt a lot of pressure because Dean kept saying to me, we're not going to go until we both sense that this is what God wants us to do. And I didn't, and I didn't know what to say. I'm a very, like, I like to please people and make it easy. And so I kept struggling through it. And I just remember Dean said, we're going to wait until God confirms this in you. And I was reading through the book of Isaiah, just asking, just begging God really for some specific things so that I would know, is this what he wanted us to do or not? And there were specific things reading through Isaiah that I journaled through that confirmed to me that we were supposed to go. And there were things that didn't go great while we were there. There were hard things. And I think if we had not waited for God's confirmation in both of our hearts, it would have been, like you said, much more complicated than it already was. And mm. that's what I would, I would say exactly what you said to him. I would wait. If mm -hmm. it's really what God wants for yep. them to go seven states away, God's then he'll show her, her that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But much better to wait on God's timing and wait on him to show her that yeah. than to push the issue, mm -hmm. take her, you know, and be in a position where one thing doesn't go great. And all of a sudden it's like, well, if you hadn't brought me here or if you hadn't pushed us to come, I think it's always best to wait until God shows both people individually and together. And then yeah. I think you can move forward with a lot more confidence. Not to mention underlying resentment. You know, even if yeah. you just, even if you just keep quiet and yeah. complacent and go, yeah. but then you have resentment in your yeah. heart, you know, yeah. so it's good. Yeah. For sure. And Sin Network, they, I mean, that's a big value for them too. Cause I was just sitting in after parties yesterday and there, there's a couple of kind of similar situation where they're not a hundred percent sure where they're going. Wife's not a hundred percent in. And it's like, I can't give them a green if they're not a hundred, they're not both a hundred percent sure. And yeah. so they want to give them the time span to just Absolutely. right and make sure that everything's good on both of their ends. Cause yeah. Well, Dean talks about kind of there's two factors that determine the success or failure health of a church plant, and it's number one is the emotional, spiritual health of the planting couple. Mm -hmm. So it's, it really does dictate, you know. I do think it matters. Yeah. I really do. And I think there were moments where um, it would have been easy to look back and think, boy, we really missed God here. But because I had specific things to go back to in my own time with God where I journaled those things and it was much, like you said, less complicated to be able to say, no, we're here. It doesn't have to go great to be where God wants us. And I think, this is my opinion, <laughs> but I think that life point, and, and obviously life point is God's, but I'm saying on the human side of things, I don't think life point would be what it is today if we hadn't gone and had the experience we had, we learned mm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And some of what we learned was very difficult, mm -hmm. but it changed us yeah. in really positive ways in humility, in, um, you know, dependence on God. And I think that that set us up in a whole different heart attitude to plant life point than if we had not had that experience prior. Yeah. That's really good. Well, why don't you share just a, a little bit briefly, like what are some, what is, what are some challenges or a challenge that you face that um, maybe you could um, kind of touch on and share with uh, some of the wives in there? Yeah. So y'all may laugh at this, but I feel like my biggest challenge in church planning is myself. <laughs> um, and let me explain. What I mean is we're all gifted in different ways. I think that my gifting, at least according to spiritual gifts, assessments and things like that is mercy and serving and ex exhortation, encouraging people. Enneagram two. Say that again. Enneagram two. Yes, that is, I believe that is the case. Um, 
So in that, I think that my greatest challenge is keeping that in obedience to the Lord because it's my gifting and it's the way I'm wired, my personality. It's also my compulsion. So I want to reach out to people constantly and I want to connect with people constantly. So someone comes across my mind, I reach out to them. I do. So therefore I can create so much connection that I become easily overwhelmed um, and easily just kind of emotionally drained because of um, helping so many people through so many things. And so I feel like that's been my biggest challenge um, and having to learn to slow that in my mind and my heart and try to wait for what's obedience to God. I can tell you even recently I've been trying to make a shift and when somebody comes to my mind instead of immediately texting them to tell them I'm thinking about you and praying for you, just pray, trying to just stop and pray and then wait. And if God brings them to mind again and again and I've prayed for them two or three times and then he's still bringing them to my mind, then maybe I reach out and say, hey, God's really brought you to mind several times. You know, is everything going okay? How are you doing? And those types of things. So what I would say is, I know that's not everyone's bent. I will share a funny, not funny story <laughs> from in the first five years of LifePoint, I would say. Um, another couple came and he preached at our church and they were church planters. And I went out to lunch with her and I was so like anxious to connect with her and for her to understand my heart and to hear me. And I said, oh, are you sometimes just so overwhelmed? by all the people and the needs and the hurts. And she looked at me and said, no. <laughs> and I was crushed because I thought, what is wrong with me? So uh, let me clarify, as I'm saying, everyone's bent and everyone's gift is different. Mm -hmm. But I think the challenge is keeping your giftedness as a strength and not allowing it to become a weakness or become, um, you know, place for the enemy yeah. to come in and bring discouragement or unnecessary weight. And sometimes that's hard too in church planning because at the beginning, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people right. to, to be leaders. And so that's you right. kind of like the wife kind of just fills in where they, she has to be that person for yes. all the ladies in the church. Yes. And it's good to be able to set some boundaries yeah. in that. And church. I remember a day where I was doing the children's ministry. We were having people over to our house constantly, you know, all through the week and the weekends. And, and I had three little children and I was doing the worship team, on, you know, worship leading on Sunday mornings. I'd bring them all in with their little lunch boxes and sit them down to eat their breakfast and watch John go to town on his guitar, which they love. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's probably the biggest challenge is your giftedness is going to become your compulsion probably. Mm. So keeping that in check with what is obedience to the mm -hmm. Lord and not letting that be what other people or your own self dictates. Yeah. And to not you. to harp on this too much, but I think too, like sometimes when we, we can feel like there's certain things like people coming to mind that just feel like, Oh, we should, we have to reach out to them right. and being able to like address that, like, okay, maybe that, maybe I don't need to every time and making sure that we're being obedient to God in that I think is really, really a good, a good yeah. point. Yeah, I really love this. There's a couple things that come to mind, kind of follow-up questions. The first one is, what advice would you give to maybe a planter's wife who's not bent like you are or like others? Or or maybe she feels like she doesn't quite fit the quote-unquote mold. Mm -hmm. Now, either that's from her own like expectations of herself. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not someone telling her, but she just has this, I'm the planter's wife, so I have to be blank. Sure. Or maybe there are some outside 
voices. Maybe it's our husband's voice. Sure. What would you say to just a planter's wife for how to navigate that pressure of what she should be? Yeah. I think a couple of things come to mind. One is oftentimes the best thing we can do is think of what we would tell someone else. Mm. We would never look at another woman and say, oh, you need to be every, everything that everyone thinks you should be, mm. and you need to perform for everyone else, and you need to um, you know, assert yourself in the way that everyone else thinks. We would never look at another woman and say that. We would always say, oh, no, you need to be tender to the Holy Spirit. You need to respond to him. You need to be what he's asking you to be and be obedient to him. So I would say let's take our own advice, so to speak, and mm. rather than looking around at everyone else, whether it's online, hello, you know, social media, <laughs> at all right. the people in ministry that we follow to get inspiration that we end up comparing ourselves to, and that can be a really encouraging thing and a really discouraging thing, mm-hmm. to really take our cues from the Lord first And then also work with our husbands on that. If they have expectations of us, talk through that and see, does that fit kind of how I'm wired? If not, can I just do it for a season to fill Mm -hmm. a need? But then we're going to be always working towards filling that need because that's maybe not where I function best. Um, So being willing to fill, like you said, when in the early days, especially to fill needs and fill holes. But then the other thing I would say is find one thing. I don't think we would tell anybody that's in our church, we want to max you out. Do do eight ministries, mm. do all you can do. I think we say to people that especially or at least I know that come to life point, we say, find an area, an area to serve in. And people end up doing more sometimes, and that's fine. But I think I would say to her, find one thing. And it doesn't have to be the traditional pastor's wife thing. Maybe you'd love to stand at the door and say hi to people. And that's all you really want to do. It doesn't mean you have to lead a group or, you know, disciple a huge group of people. Um but find one thing, find one area, because that's what you would ask of someone else. And I don't yeah. think that just because you are the planter's wife, it means you have to do 10 times what everybody else does. I think yeah. whatever you ask of other people, you do that. So yeah. if you're asking everyone else to find one area of service, then find one area of service and find something you like to do. If you want to hold the babies, hold the babies. If you want to <laughs> be behind the scenes and do um, count the money or help, you know, help the financial person and no one ever even sees that you're doing it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Pick one thing. Yeah. So it's good advice. The The other side of that was something I've seen you kind of grow in. I think you spoke to it. Like, how do you set boundaries? <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, uh, but, but how do you, like, if you, if you were going to speak to a, a planter's wife, I, I, I do think like you speaking about, man, the Holy Spirit brings somebody to mind. I don't just jump at that. That to me is some maturing in your life around some boundaries for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear you yeah. talking about. So you've obviously had some growth in that. So how would you help them kind of create some boundaries where they don't get overwhelmed? I know you said pick the one thing, but is there anything mm-hmm. else that just stands out to you? I think, you know, there's so many old cliches, swim in your lane, things like that. But they're cliches for a reason because they are truthful. And I once was doing a study from Beth Moore on the tabernacle, and she was talking about the sons of Korah, and it's a big story. The bottom line is the sons of Korah served in the outer court of the tabernacle, but they wanted to be in the inner courts and maybe even the whole of holies, although that was only one high priest, so maybe it was more the inner courts. 
But that's the story of that, that the sons of Korah is where the psalm comes from that says better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Because even though what the sons of Korah wanted was to, to serve in the inner courts, God opened up the earth and swallowed them up, which I think is so extreme, but God was at times. And he was making points and being holy and other than, so I don't always understand. But he swallowed them up in the earth. And then that psalm was written, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. And what Beth Moore said was, better is one day doing what God's asked you to do than a thousand of trying to do all these other things or things that other people are doing. So I do think it takes time and I think it takes um, thought, time to be quiet and think, think about your life. Think about what you want to look back on, what you want, um, how you want to have made a difference and then think about how you need to order your life to be able to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Because you do have a husband and many times children, you have a family. And that is the one thing no one else can do. And yeah. I do feel like our mom has done mm-hmm. a good job of saying that to me over the years. She was, she's always said, if the only thing you do is be Dean's wife and Sydney and Dylan and Sylvia's mom, that's enough. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do everything, you know. And I've always felt like the bar was set at a certain place and the only thing that counted was what was above it was ministry. And I've had to learn to lower the bar and say, no, 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 it matters that I fed my family, that I bathed the people in my family, that I got up and got dressed today, that I exercised, you know, whatever thing it is that I had time with God. So I think that's what I would say. I think I just went in several different directions. Oh, that's but good. I think I would say, um, <clears throat> sorry, I keep having to clear my throat. It's okay. Um, that, Better is one day doing what God's asking you to do. So try to work hard to not compare Mm -hmm. to everybody else in ministry. And as far as boundaries, I think you just have to keep thinking about what causes anxiety in your heart, in your mind and body. What what feels like it's pushing you Mm -hmm. a lot, rushing you, or making you feel pressured. Kind of try to hone in on those things and see what changes could I make So for instance, I'll just be very transparent. I'm getting ready to come here this morning and my phone is blowing up and several people called and several people texted. And I just kept having to tell myself, don't answer, don't answer. You will be late. You will be frazzled. You will be. And I didn't want to be that way coming to talk with y'all. And so for me, that's a learned boundary, Mm -hmm. something that I didn't used to do. If they called, I assumed they needed me. So I answered, even if it put me in a terrible <laughs> spot. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I don't know if that answers your it question. Does. Okay. It does. Yeah. I think, you know, a couple of things that I thought about as you were talking was, I forget who it was who said this, but make sure you're disappointing the right people. Oh, man. Because uh, I was a pastor friend about his dad was in the ministry and he said, son, let me give you some advice about churches. When you're gone, they're going to get him another one. And he's like, so you got to make sure you're disappointing the right people. And I think my tendency has been because it's my family and they understand and it's uh. just ministry is to disappoint them and to what and and so I've been really compelled by that idea of make sure you're disappointing the right people. Yeah. <laughs> because at the end of the day, they're going to get them another one. Yeah. And that's I, I know that can kind of come across a little a little jaded, but um, but yeah, just just to make sure that you're not disappointing your family the whole time. In fact, there's a song by a guy named Andy Gullihorn that uh, the, the, the phrase is, I could be nobody as long as I'm somebody to you. Mm. And I thought, man, that's, what if, what if you lived your life 
outside of your home and you became this somebody and yet at home you're a nobody to your kids and life. So anyway, it's kind of kind of compelling yeah, to me. And that goes back to what I feel like multiple people have said consistent me, consistently in my life is no one can be Dean's wife but you mm-hmm. and no one can be your children's mom but you. Yeah. Other people can do other things and that mm-hmm. is hard. I don't want to disappoint anyone mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And Dean's always saying to me, <laughs> it's okay. You can disappoint people. And I say, no. And he goes, no, 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 you can, it's okay to disappoint someone. And I keep saying, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not okay. And I still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to disappoint anyone ever. Mm-hmm. But I think as Dean and I have talked through things, he's also said, but therein lies the problem. So if you won't disappoint any of those people, but you're also not willing to disappoint me or the kids, that makes for one stressed wife and mom. And he's right because I don't want to let any ball drop ever. So I'll do whatever I have to do to myself. It's detrimental (laughs) to not do that. And that's where I think the growth happens over the years is learning. And I mean, I've gotten boundaries, the book out, you know, by Henry Cloud and Peter Townsend multiple times and read through it to remind me of things, to remind me that when you do start to draw boundaries, somebody's probably going to get upset because you've not drawn that boundary on them before. I had a dear friend say to me a few years ago, hey, you're teaching people what to expect from you. If you text them back within 30 seconds every time, then guess what? They expect you to text them back within 30 seconds every time. Mm-hmm. And things like that that God has allowed people to say to me over time, they've made impacts on me. It's, it's made me think twice about things and realize that God is bigger. And being a mercy, um, our good friend Steve Boyer said to me once, you know, no one's more merciful than God. So I have to remember that sometimes, even when people are going through hard things, God has more mercy than I could ever Mm -hmm. have. So he is watching out for them, taking care of them. And I may be able to be a part of that equation, but I don't have to bear the weight of all of it. Yeah, that's really good. Well, you shared some advice, shared some challenges. Let's end the podcast on a happy (laughs) note. What has been the greatest joy about church planting for you? The greatest joy about church planting truly is watching the light bulbs go off for people. Um, going on a walk with a woman who I know is either not a believer yet or a new believer who maybe is still praying for her husband even to come to know Christ and her asking me a question like, what is this, like, why, why does God, why does it say he's the lamb of God? And getting to tell somebody for the first time about the Old Testament sacrifices and how that was all a foreshadowing of Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice and having someone be like, oh, I never understood that before and get it and then get what Jesus did for them. And then that's the best thing, which I guess that's heart transformation in a nutshell. But those moments with individuals over the years where people just get it is just the best thing to me. Like there, there's no other than like the joy of my family. And, you know, there's no greater joy for me than watching somebody get it for the first time or at least get something that's monumental to them spiritually for the first time that would keep me going forever. I love it so much. It's just, it's, those are the coolest moments I think. Yeah. That's really good. Well, Angie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It sounds like we'll be having you back for three or four other. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. We'll do it. We'll do a Sandy me. Patty and the friendship company episode. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. one of my favorite. And, with, and uh, let me say, I just, I prayed really hard before this, that, that if this was for one, that, that it would really encourage the heart of that one and that God would help her to know that she's not alone. Mm-hmm. The things that she thinks, the things that she deals with, the things that she wrestles with, 
that she's not alone. And there was one thing we didn't talk about that I was going to touch on. I know you were wrapping it up so you can edit me out if you need to. But one thing I was going to say is I think a lot of times in church planting and ministry in general, um, there is a tough balance between being vulnerable and being guarded. Mm. And I just wanted to say to some, I felt like the Lord had this for somebody and I don't know, um, not a prophet, but that there is a balance there. We need to be vulnerable. We need to have certain people that we can trust and share our heart with. And we do need to be guarded. We can't tell Mm -hmm. everything to everybody. But if we guard ourselves too much, we become isolated. Mm. And if we share everything, we become maybe pray for the enemy or for someone else that could mean harm. So there's a balance between the two. But I just wanted to encourage somebody that find those women that you can go walk with, that you can talk to, that you can share struggles with and walk through things. You should have that in your life too. You shouldn't just want that for the women Mm. in your church. So that was my one little addendum. Yeah, it's really good. Thanks so much for sharing it. Thank y'all. Yeah, and thanks for being on the show. Um, Thanks, brother. You said it'll bless. Maybe it'll bless one. It will bless one. The one listener we have will definitely be blessed. <laughs> I did not mean that. One. <laughs> Just one. Hi, mom. No, she doesn't even listen. <laughs> Your mom so. doesn't even listen. No, she does. Nobody got time. My wife that. listens, so that counts. All right, hey, Leah. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Talk to you later. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.